realistic. I find it hard to believe it's a video game. The sky was a slightly different colour to what you'd normally expect. And this overdramatic shooting of the alleged Ethiopian military plane uh, didn't look real either. So that, that's, that's how we debunked it. Well, this is just a snippet of what the BBC's reality check team do every day. Chris, thank you. Next up, we're going to return to the U.S. election, one story that dominated the year for us. And a key part of it has its roots in Russia. The reigning champion of disinformation, you might say, at least if you remember what happened back in 2016. Fake news can have real-world consequences. Facebook was paid at least $100,000 by Russian troll farms for advertising. These are just some of the thousands of ads which reached more than 150 million Americans on Facebook alone. The 2016 presidential election was beset by disinformation, or fake news as we used to call it, before the term started to get thrown around as an insult. That's right, we had troll farms in St. Petersburg and Macedonian teenagers being paid to write false stories. A lot of the most malicious disinformation then appeared to be mostly funded by Russia or organizations linked to the Russian government. Mark Zuckerberg got hauled in front of Congress to answer for Facebook's role in the affair. There was a proliferation of disinformation on social media and very little was done to tackle it. The big tech giants were caught sleeping, according to many. So ahead of this election, all eyes were on Russia and on the social media platforms to see how they would deal with things this time around. And here's where things get interesting. It turns out this time, foreign actors trying to disrupt the election try to employ newer, more sophisticated tactics. This story begins with an American from New York State named Colin Wood. He's a freelance writer, a news junkie, and was delighted to pick up a new writing gig back in the summer. I came across a piece of data article back in June, I guess. So I, I thought it was good. I thought it was interesting. I thought, geez, maybe this is a group I'd be interested in writing for. So I approached them because I saw at the bottom that they were looking for writers and told them that I was interested in writing for them. Collins started submitting articles to his new editors and they responded positively. They loved it. They were very accepting of my writing, um, except for the challenges of some of the political positions I, I wanted to take. Those political positions? Well, Colin is a left-leaning centrist, a fan of Joe Biden, the Democratic candidate and the next president, but his editors didn't want him to promote Biden. The site was much harder left. They didn't support Biden at all. They didn't want Colin saying positive things about him. It wasn't anything Colin couldn't deal with. He wanted to get his writing out there. He was getting published on what he believed to be a professional, legitimate news site, after all. Or so he thought... He could express his other political opinions. But then, one day, he got a phone call that took him completely by surprise. The Guardian contacted me, telling me uh, that an article had come out about peace data and that uh, the FBI were involved and that we were investigated, the writers were investigated. They revealed that they couldn't find proof of who the writers were, you know, where the organization was located, uh, and uh, that they were a false news organization and a Russian-backed uh, organization. Colin had been caught up in a web of lies. Peace Data wasn't a legitimate news site at all. It was created and run by Russians, backed by the same organization behind much of the disinformation we saw in 2016, the infamous Internet Research Agency based in St. Petersburg. Instead of making stories up, as they'd done last time, 
this Russian-backed website had been hiring American writers. They weren't using fake news. Collins' articles and the rest of the articles on the site were mostly opinion pieces, but they weren't completely made up, like in 2016. Some experts thought it was part of a much longer game, build an audience and then start spreading more spurious information online. The truth is that the site was caught at such an early, rather unpopular stage that we don't really know. What we do know is that there were other examples. At least one other site was pursuing a similar strategy. It was run by the same operatives and using the same tactic, hiring American writers. But this site took a completely different political position. It was pushing extremist, far-right views. Now maybe you're thinking, how did Colin get tricked? Didn't he check out the site before he started writing for it? Turns out he did. He checked out Peace Data's editors online and found legitimate-looking accounts